Hey, lean in. You guys gotta get, you gotta sit closer to me, Code. And caverns old, the pines were red. It flamey spread. The trees like torches blazed with light. What's up, Michigan Sports Nation? Welcome back. It's been a while. We've been waiting for Travis to return to the country after studying sports abroad in Europe. Uh, But we have a lot of great stuff for you. We're going to be comparing the Michigan and Michigan State basketball teams to sitcom characters. We're also going to be talking about what on earth is going on with the Detroit Lions and the Spartans, as well as the Pistons. And we're going to be reacting to Michigan football trending upwards in the past three games. Also, why Ohio State sucks? Uh, is that is that a typo, Trav? No, that's going to be a real segment. So you don't want to miss that one, so stay tuned. All right, so comparing Michigan and Michigan State basketball teams to sitcom characters, uh, which of you guys wants to start with that one? We, we've always had Brandon start, and, and it's, it's bit a, us in the butt. Bad idea, yeah. But I kind of want Brandon to start. <laughs> All right, that's fine with me. I don't think I've got anything earth-shattering. Um, Michigan State goes into the year, preseason number one, and from what we've seen from them so far, I think my comparison is going to be probably season one Andy from Parks and Rec. So Mm. a character that has so much potential. I mean, I heard that at first he wasn't supposed to last past the first season, but he was just a fan favorite, so they brought him back and he became a mainstay. But, you know, originally he kind of starts off kind of rough. I mean, he's fat Andy. He doesn't really treasure Anne like he should. Um... He just basically wants to live in her house and eat her food. Um, and yet somehow you still like him a little bit. So Michigan State, um, you know, looking back especially, and I know you can't compare game to game, you know, very accurately, but, boy, that Kentucky game looks like one they should have been able to uh, to to take. And that's – I think you do have to give them a little bit of leeway because, well, watching that game, the first half was – horribly officiated i felt like it was very much in favor of kentucky and michigan state really had a had a couple extra players on the court against them i felt like in the first half we could probably do a whole whole episode on officiating in college basketball yeah and and cody and i were talking about that because then michigan state was playing charleston southern a game that didn't even need to be officiated painful (laughs) and it was like charleston southern wasn't allowed to even i don't think they were supposed to be on the court they just wanted Michigan State to like play against air, and that's that's frustrating. That's that's a whole other topic. But um, they don't need the help. The, I would prefer to see a game that is at least somewhat consistently, uh, fairly consistent. Like it was consistently against Michigan State against Kentucky. Either way, Kentucky goes on to lose to Evansville. Um, I think there's probably an Evansville in about every state. So who even knows where this team is from? Um, 
that's I think at this point Holy Trinity of the Waters probably beats Evansville straight up. <laughs> but well, we know that. <laughs> and they went on to struggle again. Um, you keep hit, hating on Holy Trinity, man. <laughs> you don't well, learn. <laughs> and and looking at state, I've I've been underwhelmed. Um, in some ways, I've been impressed. In others, I I really thought they were going to come into the season with a lot of chemistry because that's that's basically what they were going on last year. They had incredible chemistry as a team. Each player played played out their role incredibly well, and and it, it took them to the final four. Um, I've been underwhelmed. I know that the numbers are still pretty good for Cassius, but I have not. I think he he looks worse this year than he did last year. Um, I'm sure he's going to prove me wrong and that he's going to get better. But I just – you could see that he was a little bit – and the team as a whole was a little bit overwhelmed by the athleticism of Kentucky. Um, he did not take over that game. In fact, the opposing team's freshman in his first ever game did. Um, Tillman has been underwhelming as well. He He's starting to maybe turn a corner, but I – from the two best players on the team, I just haven't seen enough to say that they're the juggernaut I thought they were. But just like Andy, there's so much potential there that I, you still have to like their chances of winning the Big Ten. But, you know, without um, uh, Langford and without Hauser, I just I don't think that they're the Death Star that I originally pegged them as going into the season. Um, so that's why I see them as an Andy. You know, you, they, there's a it's a great character, but starts off flawed. I, I do um, – I. I think that they're going to develop just like Andy did, and eventually he's going to be Star-Lord and everyone's going to love him. <laughs> but uh, right now they're they're fat Andy for me. I like that. That's a good comparison. Uh, and like always, Brandon gets us started off with a really good one. So for sure. Let's see if we can keep up with him this, this episode. <laughs> you can go ahead. You want okay. me to go ahead and take my Michigan one? Or uh, do you want to go ahead? Let's go uh, Michigan State through all of us, okay. and then we'll go Michigan. Okay. So you go ahead, Trey. <laughs> okay. Uh, my Michigan State early comparison to a sitcom uh, character is Robin Scherbatsky from How I Met Your Mother. Um, and my reasoning being is at the beginning of How I Met Your Mother, uh, Ted sees Robin and he's just, that's all he talks about for the first few episodes. He's just all about her. And then you learn, and that's not actually the mother. Uh, and it's really built up like, oh, she is the one. The whole thing is about Robin. And that's kind of how the beginning of the preseason of basketball went up into that Kentucky game. And even afterwards, uh, everyone really was so high on Michigan State. They're the one. They were the one. They were ranked number one. Uh, and then now everyone's kind of reeling back on them a little bit, thinking, you know what, maybe we were a little too quick to think Michigan State was all that. Uh, and I, people, I think, are quick to forget that Langford's hurt and they got some opposition they're working through manufactured opposition i think just just kidding that's inside joke friend <laughs> uh but at the end of how i met your mother uh the mother dies sorry that's a spoiler if you haven't seen it uh and then robin he marries robin in the end um and i think there's a really good chance this, this season plays out like that with if langford comes back healthy if their team pulls together like Izzo has kind of proven he does that in past years. Maybe not the most recent years, but throughout his history at State, they really pull it together come tournament time. And so I think they have a really good opportunity to do that this year and kind of be the Robin Scherbatsky of March Madness. The one thing I would maybe add is um, 
I've been really impressed with Michigan State's depth. Now, there are certain spots where they're maybe a little shaky, but some of these freshmen or sophomores that are starting to see some playing time have a lot of promise, and I think they play a lot elsewhere. Mm. Um, I was going to m- mention that, but I kind of forgot earlier. You know, Hall had an absolute game against Seton Hall. Um, along with he looked um, amazing. Bingham has been really impressive. Um, this is a, a deep team. They can run, you know, eight guys out there consistently. Rocket Watts started rough against Kentucky, and he's only been getting better. Yeah. And you, you've you got a lot of scoring options there, and it's only going to get better once they get Langford back. So that's, that's something that I think makes them incredibly dangerous. Most teams aren't going to have the type of scorers and the amount of scorers that Michigan State has. I do have some questions. I think we talked about this earlier. We're not really sure about the ceiling of a guy like Kithier, but he's also the type of player that we've kind of seen a lot of guys come through like him through Michigan, where a little bit underwhelming on the athleticism side, but very fundamentally strong, uh, works his tail off, the kind of guy that does his job. And I think he'll he'll be good there, but definitely not maybe top flight, top of the line type of guy that you expect Michigan State to have. And I think you said this earlier while we were talking about it, where Kithier kind of seems like a guy who would be awesome off the bench for you. He does everything you want. Um, he doesn't seem like a national champion starting center, though. But no. you touched base on one of their fre- freshmen who you think might be able to step up in the end of the season, maybe. And that, I think, might put them over the top to being a national championship contender. Well, yeah, uh, Bingham Jr., I, I mentioned him before. He kind of reminds me of Jaron Jackson. Obviously, Jackson's less of a in-the-paint guy, but you just put someone that lengthy. I mean, he's 6'11". He's got an incredibly long uh, wingspan. Just put him in there and have him hold his arms up. People are afraid to go into the paint when you got a shot blocker like that. And a, a guy like him, he, he can stretch the floor. He's going to go out, shoot a three. Um, he's not just there to post up. But if you give him the, the ball in the paint, I think good things would happen. But he's, he's not nearly as, I think, fundamentally sound or... Um, you know, maybe game-ready as Kithier right now, but I think he'll get there, and he could be that guy. If he gets there, I really like Michigan State's chances this year. If he doesn't, and they're stuck with uh, Kithier as a starting center, I, they've got, I think, three really good guys in their starting lineup, and maybe they are pretty deep, but their starting lineup doesn't necessarily scare me as much as I thought it would so far. That that could totally change. We're what four games into the season, that could change a lot. But right now, they're not as scary as I thought, but they could get there. Code. All right. Well, <laughs> you guys have covered that topic pretty well, so I'll keep mine short and sweet. But to me, the Michigan State Spartans, if they are a sitcom character, they are D'Angelo Vickers from <laughs> The Office. Will, oh, Will Ferrell's character in The Office for his brief stint there. So for the uninitiated. Uh, Will Farrell steps in as the manager for Michael Scott and gets talking with Jim and is talking about like, yeah, I can dunk, I can dunk a basketball easily. And Jim says, well, great, we have one down in the warehouse. I'd love to see you dunk it. And then Will Farrell says, okay, not only will I do that, I'll dunk it from the free throw line. <laughs> and so, of course, that goes horribly wrong and D'Angelo goes to the hospital. Um, so, like D'Angelo... Michigan State was incredibly hyped and so far has not been able to quite deliver um, up to that number one in the nation's status. There is a difference. Uh, I do not think that Michigan State is overhyped. Here's the thing. Most people 
they would see D'Angelo faceplant like that and say, yeah, he was just blowing smoke. But we don't know if maybe D'Angelo tripped. <laughs> maybe there's a chance that he cramped up in his leg. We don't know because he goes unconscious, I think. Well, I think he got up to the rim and grabbed the rim and then uh, right. fell off. <laughs> right, exactly. And so what we see is a 6'4 man with apparent athleticism as well. Get up. Get w- up. World-class juggler. World-class, world-class air ju- juggler. Ex- I've never seen anyone better. Uh <laughs> And so I don't think Will Ferrell's character gets a fair shake here. You know, we definitely expected greatness, and he wasn't able to deliver. But we'll never know if he really was a star basketball player because he comes back, and he's just speaking complete gibberish, and he's not his normal self. So I, for one, am very disappointed that we never got to see the rise, the return of D'Angelo Vickers. Uh, I do think, however, we are going to be uh, treated to seeing that with Michigan State. They haven't had the start that they've wanted, but I do think that they will be able to overcome. I like that one. Uh, Code, you want to give your Michigan, too, and we'll just work back to Bran? Yeah, sure. So initially, I actually thought uh, when we were discussing our topics over text... I thought we were just going to pick one player from the team and uh, compare them. So uh, my original pick was also from the office. I was going to compare John Teske to uh, Stanley from the office. And uh, Michael takes one look at him and says, I want you on my team. And then he gets out on the court and is dribbling with his arm behind his back and moving like two miles per hour. Um, but that's beside the point because we're doing whole team comparisons. So for my comparison of Michigan... I might have cheated a little bit, but I'm going with kind of the whole gang from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The whole gang? The whole gang. And the reason is because the gang is just so hapless. You know, they really just don't know what they're doing with their lives. (laughs) And they're also terrible people. Like, I I distinctly remember one episode where the majority of it is just Charlie and Dee just pretending that they have a mental illness so they can get welfare. Like, they're just terrible people, but yet you love them like they're they're lovable and they're so much fun and it almost doesn't even matter how horrible they are you you enjoy watching them for me that's where i'm at with michigan they are not good they don't really seem like they have a whole lot of offensive identity you know they might look semi-decent one game and then almost lose to appalachian state and so you know there's not a whole lot of consistency uh i've already voiced my concern with teske comparing him to stanley um but, I mean, it's Michigan basketball. There's not much else that gets me more excited, except maybe Michigan football. So I'm still excited for the things to come this season. Don't have as high of expectations as in Europe's past. But uh, I'm still happy about uh, just being able to watch Michigan basketball. If you hear any background noise, there's pork chops coming out of the oven right now, and they look super good. So if you hear us munching on anything, it might be pork chops. Are those good, Dad? he says yes the report is yep this is kind of like in college game day where midway through the show they just bring them a ton of food and i don't really know what that has to do with anything if it's area specific food no we don't support college game day in columbus (laughs) uh that's a teaser for our last segment (laughs) of why ohio state sucks (laughs) uh but yeah to get into my last portion of michigan and uh who i think they are with uh sitcom character i actually went sunny in philadelphia as well 
Uh, we tried to coordinate so we didn't pick similar things, <laughs> and somehow we still did. So instead of picking the whole cast, I went specifically with uh, Danny DeVito's character, Frank. Uh, and my reasoning being is Frank at the, the he's not even in the first season. Um, the the first season they're just the crew working at the bar, and then Frank comes in midway into the either the end of first season or second season. And becomes immediately one of the favorite characters in the whole show. He's just gross and funny and immediately is part of the gang. I think that compares to Michigan early on this year so far with, you know, no one was talking about Michigan having a chance. Uh, they weren't ranked. They were. They kind of said, you know what, maybe they'll be pretty good. As a squad, they're part of the Big Ten, part of a good squad. Then Frank comes in, Frank Reynolds, and immediately he's uh, an awesome part of the, the gang. And kind of like Michigan in the Big Ten, their start they started off kind of people didn't expect much. They're winning right now. They've got a core of pretty good players. I think they'll be ranked here in the next few weeks, probably before Big Ten play starts, right before uh, Wagner joins the team. I think there's a good chance to get ranked. Uh, and they're just like being part of a big gang, like Cody was saying. Uh, the Big Ten is really deep right now. I think. Ohio State, sadly, looks really good. Michigan State, of course, was hyped really high as well. Michigan's going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, they might lose a few times, just like the gang of Sunny in Philadelphia. Almost every episode is about them losing at something somehow. Uh, but they're lovable losers. I'm not thinking necessarily Michigan's going to be lovable losers this year. I think they'll, they'll surprise us a little bit, but I compare them to Frank Reynolds. Lovable losers. That's uh, that's what we want from our team. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't compare them to lovable losers. <laughs> okay. Just Frank. <laughs> Cody compared them to lovable losers. Yeah, I don't think they're much of anything without Wagner, honestly. Well, we don't even we'll know. See. We haven't seen and, yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. So all of my hopes are based on this one player that I haven't even seen play basketball yet. So that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> Well, that will be interesting to see what Wagner brings to the table. I think exactly who this team is is going to be revealed uh, in a couple weeks when they go to, for the battle for Atlantis. There's some really good teams. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, was reading an article that ranked the early season tournaments, which I thought was kind of cool. I love to rank things, and they were ranking the tournaments. <laughs> and I was surprised the Maui tournament, which Michigan State will be participating in, was uh, the fourth or fifth, which I, really? I've always considered the Maui tournament probably the most prestigious tournament. Um, Go Chaminade. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, the Battle for Atlantis was number one. It had the most uh, quality teams involved. And Michigan was not really in that top upper tier of teams. So how they match up against those teams are, is going to be really revealing as, as to who they are. Uh, what I should have said more so, sorry, <laughs> instead of lovable losers, it's more so underdogs. Like what you just said with them not even being listed as kind of the upper echelon of that tournament, they're uh, more the underdogs. So I like the chances of underdogs this year. Yeah, and I think Cody talked about um, goals for this season. Um, my, my just baseline goal, I, I want to see this team in the tournament. And uh, I, pretty much above that, I think, is going to be, like I think Cody said, if we make the Sweet 16, that would be pretty much like, Wow, that what a great season for them. And I think that's about the ceiling for this team. Um, I don't know that they have the capability, but if they could, that would be great. 
Uh, this is not a Michigan team of years past, but as far as my comparison, I think you'll kind of see my thoughts on the team with this comparison. Uh, my Probably my favorite sitcom, Arrested Development. I'm going to go with the character <laughs> Job. And Job is, well, probably a lovable loser because the, <laughs> yeah, he he's, uh, definitely. he's pretty much a every episode screw up, but he does it in such a way that he teeters you, on lovable. You you can't well that's true, <laughs> but you can't take your eyes off of him, right? <laughs> that's true. I mean the guy knows how to work a crowd. I mean he he's doing his magic show. He's dancing on stage. He's got the knife sticking out of his mouth. I mean the guy <laughs> just oozes flair. And for Michigan, I'm really enjoying watching them, even though the games are you know, they're not where you'd want the team to be. You know that opening game against Appalachian State when they basically let them come back from 30 points down. I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought they were going to lose that game. They found a way to win, which is good. I, I'm really impressed so far with the job that Joan Howard has done. But, you know, going back to that Job comparison, he uh, he's not a reliable character. You know, one minute you're asking him to mail a letter. The next minute he's trying to throw that letter in the ocean. This, this is a guy who <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get other than you're probably – can be you can expect to be let down but you know he's going to do it in such a way that's going to keep you interested and so this team you know, looking at their players this is an offense that is going through John Teske mm-hmm. and he he has a physical indicator of when he can no longer perform the guy turns tomato red and the defense knows okay he can't run anymore it and we're going to go ev- right at him every stereotypical thing a person does when they're dead tired he Teske does, does. Hands on the hips, head down. Um, running with his face down to the ground while he's running up and down the court. Trying to run. Yeah. <laughs> the the poor guy has has horrible physical conditioning, but the offense is really going through him. And when it does go through him for those couple possessions, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then he gets exhausted. I mean, just like <laughs> dying. And then the offense goes cold until they can sub him out. And when they sub him out, his replacements are Really bad right now. Colin Castleton cannot play the same position as John Teske. No. Nope. Now, that's why they're kind of fun to watch, though, because this is a flawed team. This is a team that is not going to wow wow you, but they're they're finding the ways. They're finding the inches, the ways to, to win a game. We're going to see how that compares against more talented squads, but it's fun to see Xavier Simpson drive the lane and get those layups that seem like shouldn't be there or, or find a rolling John Teske. I still think that Livers, I'd like to see more of him driving, but his three-point shot is falling. He looks like a great player. He's he's their best player. I think if he plays to his abilities, he could win the Big Ten Player of the Year over Cassius Winston. Really? But Did you say Teske? No, 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 no. Livers, Livers. Oh, Liver, oh, no. Okay, that makes more sense. Teske could, uh, <laughs> could win um, best effort. I don't know. No. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> well, he shows that he's trying when he turns so red. It makes me so mad. They need to just either have him go on solely defense when he turns red or just sub him out. Mm-hmm. He's only good for three possessions. Anyways, <laughs> I've really enjoyed watching them. Uh, Job is a ridiculous character. This is kind of a ridiculous team. And maybe they're going to get a, a stud with Wagner. I'm not really sure how he's going to affect them because what they need is they need a four. They need, a, they need Brandon Johns to step up. Mm-hmm. They need another Livers to play more of a post role. Uh, they don't have that player, and Wagner's definitely not that player. He's more of a two, which... Do you think Livers th- could do a, that position if need be? Well, then they don't have a three. When Wagner comes back. Wagner is a... I think Wagner's more of a two. Two. 
And, yeah. I mean, if he could play that three, that'd be huge. But, I mean, if you've seen him, it doesn't look like he's been in Michigan's strength and conditioning very long. The guy <laughs> nope. is probably, I would say he's definitely lighter than Marcus Bingham Jr. And I think he was struggling to hit 200 at 6'11". So, <laughs> and uh, Wagner's 6'9", but very, very slender guy. Hmm. But we should probably move on. But I'm excited. I do think that they're a fun team to watch, flawed team. But the development could be there. Maybe Job's a wrong comparison because he doesn't really develop as a character. He kind of stays the same. Hopefully this team is going to show us they have the ability to to even beat some better teams down the road and, and be consistent in their scoring. All right, so why don't we move on to talking about why some of our home franchises here in Michigan are really struggling this season, starting off with the Detroit Lions. Which one of you guys <laughs> wants to go ahead and bust that topic open? Sure, I'll jump into that one. Okay. Um... I think you can see it while you watch. Uh, the, one of the f- most frustrating things about watching the Lions right now is Patricia came in as a defensive-minded coach, and our defense is so atrocious. And uh, and one of the most frustrating things along with that is we traded away one of our captains on the team who was a defensive stalwart, and uh, it's really caused a lot of dissension within the locker room. It sounds like there's not a lot of trust building, and that's two years in a row that that's happened. Uh, I'm not out on Patricia yet, uh, which might be rare amongst Lions fans. I'd, I'd like to give a coach more than just two years, especially with the adversity that he's been seeing with Stafford getting hurt two years in a row, uh, his key running back being out for a ton of games. There's a lot of things that he's worked through, but the one thing that he should be producing is a strong defense, and there are teams putting up just huge numbers against him. Even with Stafford out, our backup quarterback, Cody and I went to the Bears-Lions game in Chicago, and we loved Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, it's a running dro- joke with us. They're uh, struggling, you know, with their backfield, uh, just a load of injuries. Um, <laughs> when we went to the game at Soldier Field, they handed the ball off to a player Travis and I had never even heard of before because they just have uh, so much of a struggle right now with running backs. But... It's a joke with us that uh, they need to put Driscoll in at running back because he was actually clocked as the fastest player of the day at 19.9 miles per hour. I don't think we ever talked about that. Which was ridiculously fast. Right. Like so fast that we were like, that can't be right. He's a white quarterback. So Cody looked up his 40 time. Yeah, four, five, six. I think it was. Really, like, really fast Really time. impressive. And not only that, he, he didn't look too bad under center to me. Mm-mm. I don't think they gave him much of a chance early in the half. Uh, they tried to play really conservative because, you know, he'd only played six games in his career or started six games in his career. Uh, but second half, they were forced to really open it up more and get the ball downfield. And I do not think he did a very bad job. Yeah. I really think he was hitting his receivers. A couple of his passes were a little bit difficult to catch. But these guys are NFL players and hit him in the hands. And especially in that game. That's your like, motto. If it hits you in the hands, you should catch it. <laughs> especially if you're getting paid that much to be a professional to catch the ball. And you got Spider-Man hits, gloves. Those gloves are so sticky. Cody bought a pair and we played catch with it all of last year. And it was hard to drop a ball wearing those gloves. Dad has convinced me. I think my gloves are better <laughs> than what these NFL guys are using. Because... That being said, we're not throwing it as hard as those quarterbacks, but, but still. You put those on, you feel like Superman. You can just stick your hand out there and it just sticks some of the disappointments from that week were slay got beat quite a bit uh it was not the pro bowl slay we had seen and maybe that's just because he's really burnt on this team and coaching and maybe that showed the other one was uh galladay 
dropped some big passes too. Yep. And it's just as a team, uh, you just you can't make those mistakes. I said it early in the year that in the NFL you just gotta win the game. It doesn't have to be necessarily pretty. It. I don't think the NFL is super deep. I think it's top heavy with some really good teams, and everyone else can beat each other. Even with the Lions' subpar record right now, they've been in those games. They gave the Cowboys a scare. They gave the. It came down to the last play against the Bears, um, and they could have won those games with all this adversity still happening. So it's really frustrating knowing that what could have been, and isn't that the mantra of a Lions fan? What mm-hmm. could have been? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard because hearing you talk about that. I think there is talent on this Detroit Lions team, but looking at them from week to week, they just look like a beaten squad. There's no heart. Like you said, there's dissension in the locker room. I don't think they really have much incentive to try. And as a fan right now, I want to see them tank. I want to see them get the best (laughs) draft pick possible because they're not making the playoffs. And I got to wonder if some of those thoughts are in their their heads as well. All the social media Lions accounts that I follow are all saying that the season's over, (laughs) which is really sad because it's – what are they? Three six and one now. Three five and one. Yeah, not six. I think six. Either oh way, it's <laughs> there's still a lot of games left to play, and it's it's sad to say up, oh, it's over and give up. But uh, you know, it's kind of where the the team is at right now, and so I usually am not a fan of tanking, especially when there's still an opportunity to make the playoffs. But being three six and one, uh, last in the division. Last in the division, and the top of the division is pretty strong, so it will be tough to make a wild card when even in, in your own division there's a team that's probably going to make the wild card in uh, the Vikings. So that's tough. That, that's where I'm at with the Lions. Uh, Brand, you got any thoughts on that? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. You probably won't <laughs> like a lot of them. but I might now. <laughs> um, so one interesting fact, I think it's pretty obvious. We've kind of touched on it, but – the Packers are first in the division. Yeah. They have scored 250 points this year. Where do we compare to that, Brand? Well, I just want to see. Where, how How do you guys think we compare? <laughs> not good. Uh, well, points? actually, not, not I terrible. I don't know. We have? It's difficult. Like 244. How, what was Six the, points less. I was going to say. Because Six points less in first place. Do you have the stat of points given up? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is. Because my initial reaction was just like, we're so terrible. It's got to be so much worse. But I was like, wait a minute. Like, we've been doing okay offensively. All right. We've been, okay. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Six points less than our first place team. Yeah. Let's just go up one spot in the division to the Bears. Bears are above above uh, Lions by, well, just a game, I guess. Bears are horrendous offensively. No, but defense, no. Okay. Okay. So, we're going to go up to the third place. The Bears have allowed 174 points this year. Oh. You guys want to guess how much the Lions have allowed? 400. No, that's that's too much. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say two ninety. Nine games. Two seventy two. So okay. over a hundred points more allowed. If there's any question, it's answered right there. Our defense has completely, <laughs> completely let us down. Oh, two seventy. Oh, yeah. That's not that bad. Well, <laughs> Trav gets four hundred. Let's try. All right. I mean, all the other teams are are in the upper hundreds to low two hundreds, and the Lions are pushing three hundred at this point. No other teams are except the bottom, bottom of the barrel, are comparative with the, this Detroit Lions defense. Now, I think it goes back to a big portion of the players. I was really against some of the draft picks, and they're starting now. Um, and it's not to say that they're not decent players, but I don't like their fit. 
the way this Lions team is getting thrown on, and you're you've got huge linebackers. I mean, it's not just Tavai because I'm pretty <laughs> anti-Tavai. Um, but Jared Davis is getting thrown on like crazy. These guys have no coverage skills. None. This is a team, or this is a league now where you score by throwing the ball across the middle of the field. And yet you want to draft the fattest, maybe not fat, sorry, the <laughs> biggest and slowest linebacker there is in the second round. I mean, in the second round, you had guys like uh, Greedy Williams still available, a starting cornerback. You've got plenty of other options that are more suitable to your needs. You know, they drafted in third round Will Harris. Oh, that made me mad. <laughs> and yet you're going to still trade away Quandre Dix, but... There's better safeties available than some no-name out of Boston College. I mean, if you wanted him that bad, wait three more rounds and get him in the sixth when he's actually going to be there. Maybe a team really liked him and they knew that and they needed to get him. Well, clearly it's not working. This <laughs> this defense is the worst against the pass, and it's not very good against the run. Well, And that's the problem. If you at least stop one of them. It's got to be more than a schematic thing, though, because we watched – uh, Slay in man-to-man coverage get beat by someone who's supposedly a much lesser-tiered player than Slay. Well, I think that Cody was right when there is, I think, a chemistry in a locker room problem. If the if the season has been lost mentally, you're going to see it on the field. Uh, watching that game, you guys were there. I watched a little bit on the TV. That was ugly football. Yeah, two teams that didn't have any heart or belief. Just going back to college football, you, you compare like Minnesota. That's a team that puts a lot of heart, a lot of mm-hmm. passion, and, and trust in each other. Not necessarily the most talented team. Um, I think we saw that against <laughs> Iowa. That game, the Lions-Bears game, really was a battle of two teams of frustrated fans because those Bears fans were so quick to turn on their team. <laughs> Trubisky, were. if he had a three and out or threw an incompletion, he got booed so quickly. They just <laughs> they were tired of it. Very similar to Lions fans. Uh, yeah, I can't remember which wide receiver it was. With their first touchdown of the game, he shushed the crowd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were at home. Cody also tried to shush the crowd in <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, it uh, might not have been one of the brightest things I did. But. There was a, a play that was getting reviewed, and it went the Lions' way. And Cody and I celebrated really loudly in a very large Chicago uh, area. <laughs> Cody, Cody yells, yeah, eat your heart out, Chicago! <laughs> And then we looked around to see if he was going to get beat up by someone. I think, to be fair, drafting Trubisky before uh, Mahomes or especially Deshaun Watson, that's grounds to lose your fandom, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I saw the question posed earlier this week, you know, what would cause you to stop being a fan of the Lions? And There's probably a lot of Kaepernick I'm not really talk. sure about oh, like sure. my answer for that, but um, if I was a Bears fan... To trade up for Trubisky over two much better and more proven quarterbacks, I I was shaking my head in disbelief and laughing because they're in our division. <laughs> but that that was one of the worst decisions I've ever seen made. But that's that's a little bit you know off well, the point. It, we were but. talking about that I think in one of our other podcasts. We're as Lions fans so thankful that they picked Trubisky instead of <laughs> yeah. any of those other yeah. guys. Can you? We already have Aaron Rodgers to deal with. Can you imagine having Mahomes as well? Yeah, either one. I mean, they're excellent quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, in the end, I, I do think that there needs to be some questions asked about both Patricia and uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this guy's name right, Pascalani, the defensive coordinator. Close enough. But, <laughs> you know, last year the defense I thought was good, and they showed improvement at the end of the year. 
I'm afraid that might happen, um, that they might start to round a corner. Do you That's want, what they like to do. They start you, to round the corner just enough to not make the playoffs and to not get a top 10 pick. Well, that's what I'm afraid <laughs> of. So do you guys want to see Stafford, when he is healed, do you want to see him come back this year? If we don't win any games by then, no, I'd rather him sit out the rest of the year. I don't want to see him back because I'm actually a big fan of Jeff Driscoll, and <laughs> I, I, I like the guy. Yeah, I do too. Um, but not only that, I think uh, I was talking with my dad about this, our dad, I guess, but uh, I was talking with him, and, you know, Stafford, what is he, 30? Something like that, 31? Yeah, pretty young still. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty young for a guy who has taken a beating his entire career. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, he has a broken back right now. <laughs> uh, if this was Batman, this is definitely the end of his career. <laughs> he's just so going to make one more he's comeback. He's gearing up for one big comeback. In the meantime, we should be grooming a replacement. And I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be Jeff Driscoll. You know what, though? I think he's a great candidate. If this is compared to Batman, you know how hard Batman came back after he broke his leg or his back? He yeah, came he back. went on to fake his own death. <laughs> yeah, and also to defeat one of the toughest villains ever in the history of the world. Stafford is 31. 31? Hey, okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm not doubting Stafford, and I really hope he comes back stronger than ever. And I think in order to do that, he maybe should take the rest of this season off. Uh, there's not a whole lot of point for him to come back, except for maybe the fan base turning on him, which they shouldn't. He's had a fantastic year no, so and, far. And he, I think that is why he might sit out the rest of the year. If this was last year, he last year that he couldn't have sat out the whole year. We saw because, this exact same thing play out last year. Yeah, but he didn't start the year as great as he has right, this year. Right, uh, everything yeah, looked great. This season, this I, year? I was really impressed with Stafford this year. Yeah, I feel bad for him because he I started really to really win people over, and then of course you play for the Lions. You should expect this. You're gonna get hurt, <laughs> hurt well, or something's gonna derail you from the greatness. He's either gonna die a hero or live long enough to see him be- himself become the villain. <laughs> That's that a good, good quote. reference. So, uh, let's go to the Pistons real quick. I was going to say, yeah, we should move on. You, you mentioned something earlier. I almost transitioned earlier, but you had more good points. <laughs> Is uh, If the Lions would clean up some of the issues and give in on the defense and whatnot, they could win a lot of these games. If you've watched any of the Pistons games to trans- transition to them, one of the the Pistons beat writers uh, is Keith Langellis. Like I can't pronounce his last name again. We're good at last names today. Uh, Keith, we'll call him, he wrote an article and pretty much said if the Pistons just turned the ball over one less time per quarter, they'd have won, like, five more games. And that would put them in, like, third place in the East. That's only four less turnovers, one less per quarter. And So what you're saying is if they score more and the other team scores less... <laughs> Being a beat writer is really easy, huh? <laughs> I, I think what the point he's making is they've been so loose with the ball. <laughs> uh, they just are sloppy. But more so, the, the reason I think that the Pistons have been struggling is if you watch them, they kind of play old-school basketball. Yeah. And I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. They've got a really good center. Uh, they've got Blake Griffin, who can pound anybody down low. And they've also got Derrick Rose, who is I think one of the best diving to the hole guards there is in the league still. Watch him play. He gets to the hole amazingly. It's hard to stop him. But you know what? The last game I watched, not the last game, they sucked last night against the Bulls. But uh, it was two games before that. The first game, Blake Griffin was back. Um, They looked really good. They were scoring at the hole constantly. 
But you know what? The other team just hit so many threes that we lost the game. The other team just shot them out of it. And that's new age basketball. It's more shots, more three attempts. If you've got a three, take it. The Pistons are good down low, but ultimately the opportunities for more points are taken by the other team. Go ahead. I was going to say, old school basketball only works when you play old school, solid defense. Yep. I mean, is this this team going to scare anyone defensively? No. No. Not at all. Watching Derrick Rose play defense as, as awesome as he's been offensively, he's not good defensively. You could score on him all day if you wanted to. And I think that probably you could say that about some other players. On oh the yeah, team as well. not to pick on him. I've really liked him on the team, uh, but yeah, the defense is not like the bad boys of old. I'm gonna go back to even after the bad boys go to the championship team back in 2003 or four, four, 2004. I think. Um, and even those teams that just won Eastern Conference championships or played in those championships, they had great defense. I mean, mm-hmm. Ben Wallace. I don't think is there even like a position for Ben Wallace in today's NBA. The guy didn't score a lot, but he played killer defense. Um, not just him, Tayshawn Prince. I mean, that yeah. was a very defensively-minded team. Um, very old school even at that time. And one of my favorite teams to watch ever. And even then, it's hard to make that work. That was a battle for them to get past the teams they beat. And that's, I think, the exception to the rule since then. I don't think another team in the NBA has won with that style. But the Pistons just executed it as perfectly well, as they, you possibly Well, they didn't can. have a single star on the team. Mm-mm. I mean, when your best player is Chauncey Phillips, <laughs> then you're not. It's going to be hard to go against the Lebrons. Don't yeah. you hate on that man? He had star. You no, know, I love Chauncey, <laughs> and he was kind of like Detroit star, but yeah. he never was aced. Like he was. He was like a B-lister. Yeah. Since we're talking about that era of the Pistons, uh, just a throwback. Just yesterday was the 15-year anniversary of the Malice in the Palace. 15 mm. years already. Great times. That yeah. was great. <laughs> you know. Anyways, back on track. They, they talk about that being a blight on Detroit history, but no. I, no, I smile. It. And they talk about how trashy it was. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have thrown the drinks at the players. <laughs> but What do you expect? Like the that players, guy grew up the, watching the bad boys. Well, the players <laughs> went up in the stands and started beating up the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, That's my favorite the, part. The sprinting, sliding punch by Jermaine O'Neal, like... The Pacers were way more wrong than the fans. Just oh, saying yeah. that. So that's a play on Indiana sports history. <laughs> just putting that Indiana. out. Indiana. Yeah. So uh, the sorry. other team, really, I think that's pretty simple on the Pistons front. I do think they have some talent on the team. And the ceiling, their season isn't as hopeless as the Lions yet or the Spartans. The Spartans are the last one on this list of what's wrong. Uh, Bran, why just break it down real quick? Spartans. What's wrong? Oh, there's a ton wrong with the Spartans. <laughs> um, you know, Michigan's about to play Indiana, and they're they're talking about how Indiana, because normally Indiana's a trap game. They're like, yeah, this, this isn't even a trap game because Indiana's that good. We're taking them that seriously. Michigan State beat this Indiana team with Indiana's best quarterback. Indiana's quarterback is injured, and they're going to face their second-string guy, who's still a good quarterback, but not nearly He's as not dynamic. He's not as dynamic as uh, Penix was. And so... This Spartans team had a lot of ability. They played Ohio State closer than anyone else has this year. This team, hmm. there's no reason they should be 4-6. and six. And I, I think a huge part is injuries, but that's been constant for them. So they there's something going on there. They're getting the wrong guys in the wrong positions. I don't know if – because the offensive line is especially snake-bitten. Um, 
I'm not sure if they're trying to play guys that are too small or recruiting guys that are too small and then trying to put on weight to frames that can't handle it. I'm not sure. But the heart of it is their their line, especially their offensive line, is atrocious. When that offensive line gives Lewerke time, I think he's a good quarterback. When he gets drilled like he did against Michigan, he gets uh, he gets a little bit shell-shocked, and you start to see those terrible passes and the terrible reads, just like anyone else. I mean, if any quarterback, any quarterback is, maybe except for Deshaun Watson, somehow the guy gets drilled and sacked like six times a game and still keeps his composure. Kicked in the eye. The guy is a, <laughs> a beast, but um, pretty much every quarterback, if, you're, if you get pressured every play, your play is going to stink. And that's what's happening for Michigan State. They need to rebuild, and I think they are. I mean, I think three offensive linemen were freshmen that played against Michigan last week, and that's not a recipe for success. But in the future, if those guys stick around and aren't hurt, it makes a huge difference. So recently, uh, Mike D'Antoni just came out and said, <laughs> "D'Antoni." I'm sorry, D'Antoni uh, said he plans on coaching next year. If that's the case, do you think he scraps his entire coaching staff? Or does he do another shuffle? Well, you know, I think some some coaches do need to go. Um, look at the very first opening drive against Michigan. They scored a touchdown, right? Yeah. They they drew it up pretty well. They called some good plays. Hmm. They couldn't keep up with Michigan. They got overpowered physically. When you are beaten at the point of attack, there's not anything you can do. Uh, there, you can find some, you know, gimmicks to get you by a couple drives here or there. But overall, it's going to show up. I'm not convinced that their offensive numbers are terrible. So if the offensive coordinator is fired, it makes it makes sense. But I'm not convinced that's really the base of their problems. I just think that for too long now they have under-recruited. Um, this year their recruiting class is like in the 50s. I mean, I think P.J. Fleck was pri- probably out-recruiting them when he was at Western. This <laughs> They do not recruit as well as they should. Michigan State is a national brand. As much as... Michigan fans want to say Michigan State's, you know, they're like, they get the scraps. Michigan State has a good history. They have a good program. And if they had some better recruiting coaches, they could be, they should be perennially good every single year. If you've got the right coaches and the right program in place, I don't think you can ever blame getting the scraps yeah. and recruiting. Well, it's like, it's all about the coaches. Look at P.J. Fleck at Western. Mm-hmm. He built that team, like, from scratch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Western was not a destination. Minnesota is not a destination. Look at And yet, they're they're getting the recruits. I mean, what's he going in their living rooms? Like, hey, do you like ice fishing? I mean, the guy the gets them to come. I bet you, how, you know, I don't know if you know Baylor's recruiting class off the top of your head. But I it couldn't be as high Baylor's. as Texas or Oklahoma. Or, they got to compete with some big schools down there. Baylor's putting together a great year this year. Yeah. And you know what? Michigan has done. Michigan State has done that in the past. Uh, I'm not... Totally out on Mark D'Antonio. Uh, well, I am this year, but he uh, he's proven he's done some good things with that program in the past. I'm I don't think his he'd have to be done. My my yeah. problem with D'Antonio is that saying he was coming back next year was a response to a question, and not something yeah. he got out ahead of. Yep. After yeah. losing to Michigan, he should have went in his press conference, made a point to say, "This is what I'm doing. This is what we're gonna do," and to be like. Ha- to come out aggressive <laughs> and to come out with a plan and to come out fiery. That is one thing that Michigan State coaches do not do very well is get ahead of things at no. press conference. Izzo, with all the drama of last year, not to dumb any of that down as just drama, but 
he uh, didn't handle that well. Not at all. And how he worded things. And not to say Harbaugh is great <laughs> at the mic either. Maybe it's just a state of Michigan issue. Yeah. But yeah, you, you well, hit you, that you one. can't you can't plant potatoes and then eat potato salad the next day. <laughs> yeah, I like that quote a lot. <laughs> Did you see Harbaugh's reaction to uh, the a lot of gesturing during the game? He was no. talking about like some of the unsportsmanlike stuff, and he was like. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of gestures, and then he did every gesture. <laughs> he did the Superman pull, the tomahawk, the first down. He flexed twice <laughs> and just went through all the gestures you he can't could think flex. of. That's uh, sportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, but that's I, another topic. I do Jeez. appreciate that he brought up. He's like, I don't. I want an well, explanation for why that was. If you flex downward, then it's okay. You just well, it can't. wasn't. It wasn't over anyone. But <laughs> that was ridiculous. Anyways, as far as Michigan State, I do think just they don't have the horses anymore. They. You know, back in the day, uh, during their heyday, they had I think a, boy, what was the years? They had a stretch where they were like thirty-six and five. I mean, that's incredible. Um, D'Antonio's has three Big Ten championships. He knows how to win, but during that time when they were winning, they were physically dominant. They had great offensive and defensive lines. You think about hmm. some of those guys they had. Um, you know, Conklin was one. Um, struggling to remember the other really good offensive tackles name, but um, they don't have anyone even close to that now. And they also had a lot better skill players. Um, just overall, this this team, I think Michigan State has a, a pretty hard ceiling at being a really good team, but I don't see them as ever getting back to that elite team that they were for a few years, um, you know, while Michigan was under Brady Hoke and Rich Rod. I don't think that they can get back to that. Um, under... Under D'Antonio, I think yeah, that they're, they've they, got a hard ceiling of being that second or third best team in the Big Ten. So My what reason, you're saying is little lil brother? Well, <laughs> we'll get into that maybe a little bit, <laughs> talking about Michigan. But it, honestly, I think D'Antonio needs to take a hard stance. And to me, he was far too passive in that press conference. Yeah. Um, and he's probably waiting till the season is out, which I, I understand. Um, but you, I need to see more leadership out of him. He looks like a guy who's just tired and done. Yeah. And this is a team that should be way better than they are. Maybe not the best, but I think that the talent on their team, this is a at least eight or nine win team. Yeah. Not at maximum six I'm, or seven. I'm not convinced that he isn't retiring after this year. I think that was simply just an answer to a question. You can't say you're going to midseason. Right. And he might not. I don't think he's decided yet. Yep, I I wholeheartedly agree. And if you haven't decided yet, you can't you can't say yeah I might. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what's that going to do to recruits who are thinking about coming? There's right. just there's just no energy coming from him whatsoever. He looks like a defeated man. Yeah. It, I made the comment talking to you guys earlier. Uh, I don't remember when, but in that third quarter of the Michigan game, you know they were down by quite a bit, but it was still they still had a chance. But Michigan State was letting the clock run to five seconds left every time. There was no hustle, or really, it just looked like they had given up. D'Antonio looked like he wanted to take a nap, and he was just so done with the game. You're talking about shuffling the coaches around, or whether they'll get a new coaching staff. I think they definitely need to get a new coaching staff, no question. Um, If he does stick around, I think he's going to get a new coaching staff as well, because there's a lot of speculation about... Maybe he just shuffled around the coaches because this was going to be his last year. He didn't want to fire all his friends. <laughs> um, if he's going to stick around, he'll have realized that was a failed experiment. And if they're going to turn this program around and return it to greatness, they're going to have to make a major change. If I'm a Michigan State fan, 
I'm not entirely convinced that the change shouldn't start with him. I would love to see Michigan State go after Pat Narduzzi and uh, see if he would come back. I'm not sure how many people would take that job, but I think he might. And he was a big part of that Spartan greatness when they were, what would you say, like... 36 and 5. 36 and 5. He was a big part of that, I believe, if I'm not wrong. Well, he was the defensive coordinator during the no-fly zone. Right. Yeah. If we're throwing out coaching candidates, I think the perfect candidate is probably Luke Fickle um, for Michigan State. And because he understands he hates Michigan, and he has had success at Cincinnati. You know uh, what? Which is also where D'Antonio came from. It's it's kind of full circle there. We talked about Luke Fickle the other day about him coming to Michigan State, and I made that same noise earlier. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't stand Luke Fickle. Uh, but you know what? Being a Michigan fan first and foremost, I might enjoy him at Michigan State because <laughs> I like having someone a little villainous. Well, Michigan State and Ohio State have always had kind of like a little bit of a bromance going on. I was watching the Capital One commercial with all the the mascots, and like it shows the Buckeye <laughs> and the Spartan hugging like yeah, over barbecue. Like that. that was so appropriate because they love each other because they hate Michigan together. <laughs> so I think Fickle's a good fit there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of issues with Michigan State. Maybe we can dive into that more, maybe even in the off season. Uh, but this is a team. I think just to say, I think that they wasted Lewerke. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Lewerke, say what you will about him. He's he's had some failures here or some flaws, but I think deep down he had the ability to be a really good college quarterback. He never got better than he was during his, I believe, sophomore season. Um, and I, I think I tend to blame the coaching when coach when quarterbacks don't develop, uh, and a, a portion of that is your environment. If you're not put in a position to succeed, looking behind him is terrifying. I think if you're a Spartan fan, um, <laughs> if you think Rocky Lombardi is going to come in and be better than Brian Lewerke at his best, you are very mistaken. And Theo Day, we just haven't seen enough from him to know what he's going to be. But you're betting on the unknown at that point. Um, yeah. So if they're not getting production out of Brian Lewerke, who I think is still a pretty good quarterback, it's it's downright scary for the future at, at that position. So we know that the big game happened this last weekend, Michigan-Michigan State. Let's talk about – we've talked about Michigan State now and might not need to talk about them again <laughs> this season, the way it's went. Uh, there's not a lot of hope there. But on the other end of that game, uh, Michigan, I felt like, put, put together a pretty solid game. There's a rivalry game uh, that historically has been very tough, no matter how bad Michigan State is or Michigan, good or bad, that game's always tough. And, Brandon, you said that a few podcasts ago, that that was the Super Bowl for Michigan State. For both teams. (laughs) And for both teams. Uh, And we saw how Michigan State handled it, uh, but we also saw how Michigan handled it. Uh, Personally, I thought Michigan handled it pretty well. There were still some issues and very Michigan things that happened in it. But, ultimately, let's look back at the last few games of Michigan. Uh, It was... Do you want to go all the way back to Notre Dame? Sure. So Notre this. Dame. Well, maybe just you don't have to go through each game. But no, just but offer, in general. Just in general, what's your reaction so far to what the team is right now? Yeah, so I don't buy the hype. Um, yeah. You know, they're trending upwards. Uh, but, I mean, I came out and said that the Michigan season for me is comparable to the letdown of the Avatar movie. <laughs> so, I mean. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. The Last Airbender. People. No, James Cameron's Avatar is an enjoyable experience. But. Um, I, you go back, they play Notre Dame and I'm not convinced that, I mean, I do think this Notre Dame team was a little bit overhyped, but I'm not convinced that they're a bad team by any chance, but I do think it was just the perfect storm 
for Michigan heading into that game. A rainy day at Michigan. I don't think Notre Dame was prepared, and yeah. you know, I agree with any you other there, circumstance. Actually. I don't think that game goes nearly uh, the way it did. That rain was the best player on the field for Michigan. Seriously, mm-hmm. that was huge. Then they move up and play against Maryland. Maryland sucks. <laughs> Next team. <laughs> then they play MSU. Big rivalry game. Huge win. We haven't seen them uh, just wholeheartedly demolish the Spartans in a long time. So as a Michigan fan, that was good to see. But as we discussed, Michigan State looks like a beaten team right now. A team that's not playing nearly as well as they should be playing. So now they're going to be playing against Indiana this next week. At Indiana, you know, it's hard. I think Michigan's going to have a lot of confidence with how well they've done the past few weeks. I have a hard time picking against Indiana right now. You know, Michigan only winning one game on the road against ranked opponents under Harbaugh's tenure. Well, Indiana's not ranked. They're not anymore? I thought they were 25. They lost to Penn State. Yeah. I thought they were still 25. I could be wrong. I'll Maybe. check while you talk. Well, that might be all the difference then. <laughs> uh, if they're ranked, I picked Indiana. If they're not, then Michigan I, gets the I win. I don't think that they're ranked anymore. Okay, I um, thought they were just barely still ranked. Okay, it looks like they aren't. And I, I do think that it's a game that Michigan will win. All right. Um, w for Michigan. Because, I mean, just, <laughs> just in history... Uh, I don't think Michigan has lost to Indiana since like the late '80s. So you're saying they're due? No, I'm saying that it. Indiana always plays them tough. I mean, go back the past couple of years, most of the games seem to go into overtime, or somehow it's just way closer than it should be. So I don't have any problem seeing it being a close game. I think right now Michigan. Uh, I can't remember what the line was. It was over a touchdown, I think. It is. Um, I could see Michigan not covering, or I could see them covering by just a little. I don't think that they would blow them out. They need to blow them out for confidence, but um, I don't see it being a game they lose. If they haven't lost them in more than 20-some years. The line's currently at nine, nine points for Michigan. And I do have to at least get it out there. Like I do believe that Michigan is by far a better team. Uh, they have much more talent. But there's something to be said about the way Harbaugh prepares his players if you've only won one road game against ranked opponents. <laughs> there's, I don't know exactly what it is, but that's something that really concerns me as a Michigan fan. Oh, I yeah. was talking to other Michigan fans online, and they were, like, super pumped because that's, uh, you know. Jayla. Jayla agrees. <laughs> you know, uh, Michigan got, you know, a marquee win over Michigan State, and I saw a lot of people saying, Oh yeah, that's another uh, you know achievement that we can slap on old Harbaugh's resume. And I was like, are you guys serious? Like, he has still got such a huge monkey on his back. I mean, at least two that I can think of uh, in the shape of Ohio State, and also just having terrible success on the road. Big Ten championships. Big Ten championships. That's another one. So I, you know, it's hard. I I go back and forth because we talked about this in another podcast. They look like they might be 10-3 and three this year, and that's a pretty good record. But I just have such a higher expectation for a team from the University of Michigan, especially with how many years that Harbaugh has had with these guys. Yeah. They should be better than they are. I've softened a little bit on them this year. I'm far from the woe-is-me Michigan fan that happened after that Wisconsin game. It's still the same team, I think. I do think that they've grown a bit. Um, however... Code, you raised a good point. If you erase the record and just look at what Michigan has done on the road against good teams, or even just against good teams or against rivals, it's still concerning, and they need to uh, 
fix that in the future. However, looking at this year and what we've done in the last few games, I think there is a lot of opportunity for optimism. Looking at the stats, uh, offensively at the very least, Michigan is moving the ball against some decent teams. You can make the argument that the teams they've been playing lately have had their struggles. Notre Dame, maybe they weren't as good as we thought. Uh, Penn State lost to Minnesota, who just lost. Maybe there's some weaknesses there. Uh, Michigan State obviously is struggling. However, Michigan is winning and winning some of these games big, which is what they need to do and what we want to see and what we didn't see at the beginning of the year. And so we're seeing – I'm comparing my feelings right now to kind of what last year's feelings were. I don't think this team is as good as last year's team, especially defensively. However, I think offensively they have an opportunity to be better. And I do think Harbaugh's really big on veiling things because how important is it to Harbaugh that he at least has a good showing against Ohio State this year? That's probably the most important thing to him in his life. If he has a good showing against Ohio State, uh, he's so many more positive things are said about him. How, so I think he has been veiling some things. I even joked to Brandon earlier today that what if we haven't been using Donovan Peoples-Jones as much just because <laughs> we want to hide that for that last game. And we saw against Michigan State how dangerous DPJ is. Don't get Brandon started on that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to get started. Because, <laughs> yeah, jump in. You know, yes, they, they used him a couple times. He still only had, I think, maybe three receptions. Yeah, not enough. And you saw how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands. And yet, we're going to... I always feel like I'm so negative. I love Ronnie Bell. But he is not their most talented receiver. And yet, he's going to get 10 receptions, while Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is being pegged as possibly a first or second round draft pick, you don't have anyone on your team being pegged that high. And he has got 22 receptions on the year, something like that. Hmm. That is... That is not you being crafty. That is you being terrible at your job because <laughs> your job is to put your players in a position to succeed. No, I think Speed you're right. Speed and space, <laughs> Donovan Peoples-Jones is the definition of that, and you are – that is so wrong. Now, you if you're going to keep talking, you can go ahead. I'm done talking about that for now. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I was kind of joking about hiding him for that long just for Ohio State. Um, but aside from just Donovan Peoples-Jones' contributions – as an offense in general and completely, if you look at their yards per game for their last four or five games, every one of those games is over 400 yards. And the yards they've given up, I think over that stretch, they have like a plus 900 and some yard advantage over their opponents. That's impressive. Uh, so I think that's a positive. At the end of the day, though, you still got to get into the end zone and you still got to find a way to score more points than the other team. The, uh, the one time where we... We, okay, what was the Penn State? 28-21. 28-21, the, the uh, yardage difference in that game. Michigan had 417 yards in that game and 283 uh, yards for Penn State. Like, they outgained them. If that was the game of football, if that was it, uh, it looks great. Uh, obviously, it's not. And Michigan's if you watch coaches that, don't understand that if the other team has a fast player, <laughs> that you shouldn't just leave your safety on him one-on-one, but, oh. So ultimately, we all know it's more than just an offensive game. You still have to stop the other team from scoring unless you're in the Big 12, and then you can just score. (laughs) And kind of the SEC this year is turning into a Big 12 offensive conference. Uh, But I'm liking more and more what I'm seeing, and honestly, if you look at the track record, this is going to sound way too optimistic. 
If you look at the track record of Michigan at home against these good teams, uh, where is the Ohio State game at this year? It's home, and Shea Patterson is undefeated at home. Undefeated at home. <laughs> so, uh, so you've got my pick. Michigan's winning it at oh, the big no. house this year. So is that a good segue into your your uh, not no, very I, controversial I, topic of I why gotta, Michigan is better than Ohio State? Well, no, I think Brandon's got a better. little bit. <laughs> Maybe no, morally better. Morally superior. Oh, yeah, that's not um, even a conversation. <laughs> All right, so I'm – I'm kind of on Cody. I'm kind of halfway in the middle. There's some things I really liked that I saw these past couple weeks and things that I still am a little bit leery on. I really liked the passion that I saw against Michigan State. Yeah. The offensive line was finishing blocks probably for the first time I've seen all year. It was awesome because one of the guys that is – last year he was a first-team all-Big Ten, the left tackle, and – I've just been a little bit underwhelmed. They've pass protected better as the year's gone on, but you don't see that nastiness. You know, Michigan used to have tackles like Jake Long, Taylor Lewan. These are guys who nasty. Dudes. They're gonna if there's gonna be blood on the field because they're they're just gonna go at it. <laughs> and against Michigan State, I saw guys taking defenders and putting them in the ground, and I loved it. It was like that's football. But why do you have to wait until your rivalry game against the team that you hate the most? And that should just be naturally ingrained in you that I am going to beat the guy across from me so hard that he is going to want to quit. Yep. I mean, it was it was awesome. I loved it. Want to see that more often. And I want to see that against the teams that scare you. Because when they play Michigan State, I don't see the same fear. I see the hatred for Michigan State, and I see a fear of Ohio State. When they take the field against Ohio State, especially last year, it was like, oh, man, I hope we just don't get blown out or maybe we'll maybe we'll win. <laughs> that, that attitude, that mindset, that Michigan State mindset was much better. And here's what I like. I really do believe, and Michigan State is going to hate this, I think that this has flipped the direction of the rivalry. If you're a Michigan State fan, you're going to point back to the last decade the record. But I'm looking forward. I do not see what? Michigan... What? No Michigan fans look forward, Brad. They only look at the history. <laughs> well, you have to look forward because there's always next year. That's kind of true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but looking forward in this rivalry, I just don't see Michigan State having that same ability to steal games like they have the past couple years, or even before that, to dominate Michigan. I just do not see the rival- rivalry flipping back for the foreseeable future, especially with Lewerke graduating, uh, with the future of Antonio maybe in flux. The talent is not being replaced at Michigan State like it is. At Michigan has upper-tier talent. They've recruited very well. It's just a matter of execution and, and coaching. But that yeah. was a dominant victory that I think sets the tone for the future. And kind of going back to Mike Hart's little brother comments, I think it <laughs> – maybe has put that mentality back that this is the kind of team that we are not going to struggle with. We're just going to play with them. We're going to dominate them. And if they have While a lead... While still having that hatred. Well, we're going to hate them. We love yeah. to rub their nose in it. <laughs> I think that they have flipped the script for Michigan State going forward. I love that. I think that Harbaugh has gotten things back to kind of what they used to be, where Michigan was a well-respected, a pretty good team. They weren't winning champion like national championships. The last championship was in 97. Um, but Michigan always took care of business pretty much with Michigan State. Um, the last time I think they really struggled with Michigan State was like in the 60s, uh, maybe 50s and 60s. 
um, besides obviously this this pastime. So I think that we've kind of gotten back to where Michigan has their rightful place as we're going to battle with Ohio State more than than Michigan State. I like that. Um, I liked uh, the the way that they dominated Notre Dame. I mean. I saw a shirt that was made. It was like, see ya in 2033 or something. And it had the <laughs> yeah. score of the game like 45-14. <laughs> that's a good feeling. That's that's awesome. That's what you need as a as a Michigan fan, as a player, to have that respect to you know, that you did that. Um, so, how lame is that, though? 2033 is how long we have to wait for that matchup. It's absolutely ridiculous. I hate it. Yep. We should be playing Notre Dame every year. I love playing Everyone tough games. Everyone in the, the country brain. says that, except for Notre Dame. Idiots. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so what you're saying is Michigan is similar to uh, Minnesota, how they're not going to have trouble with Penn State anymore. No. <laughs> not at all, Cody. So we've got this uh, weekend of games on the docket. Michigan State is playing Rutgers? Yeah. Okay. So, hey, Michigan State, turn your season around, finish strong against Rutgers. Uh, and the Michigan's going down to uh, Indiana. I'm thinking about trying to go to that game, trying to talk these guys into it. Uh, I think it's going to be a barn burner. Uh, I, but I do think Michigan has a chance to really blow that one away still. I think they need to uh, for their confidence to go into Ohio State. Um, just to maybe give the other side of that coin, some of the things that I'm concerned about with Michigan just going forward is they kind of didn't turn into this dominant team until after the season was lost. I mean, if the goal is a Big Ten championship, that second loss sealed your goal of not being accomplishable. I mean, mm-hmm. it was at that point where they started to turn things around. This team does not perform under pressure. Once the pressure was taken away, they started to perform. The turnovers magically disappeared. This, there's a mindset issue with this team, and they're not a complete team. Go back to Notre Dame. Obviously, the rain affected it, but it was only on the ground. This team can only really focus on one thing at a time. Going to Maryland, um, they had like 300 yards against Maryland. <laughs> Minnesota it beat Maryland like 50-some to 10, I think. Uh, Ohio State beat Maryland, and they had over 700 yards of offense. Um, that's more than double what Michigan was able to <laughs> achieve. And then, well, you're talking about the second best team in the nation, Brand. So, and I, I think well, that's a I part think of it. First best team. First best. Um, <laughs> I think they lead the country in offense and defense right now. Ohio State is a, a juggernaut. They're that's, they're they're great. Ohio State fans are very ticked about that being number two while leading the country in offense and defense. They, which they just have makes been me a little bit incredibly, happy. <laughs> incredibly impressive. But I just think you have to reward. I'm a resume guy. LSU has played really good teams and beaten them. Um, you know, Ohio State is going to be playing Penn State, which will be a tough game. I think that they'll win. Sounds like you're just on the SEC bandwagon, brand. You work for ESPN. I, I'm on Jeez. the LSU bandwagon this year. I, I don't think that LSU is a complete, as complete a team as Ohio State. But Ohio State, they haven't had to have Justin Fields even play late into a game yet. Um, and they haven't really been tested. So we'll see if that changes. Um, lastly, uh, when you look at Michigan versus Michigan State, they threw the ball well, mm-hmm. didn't run the ball well. Mm-mm. There hasn't been really one game where you can go back to and say, yeah, they were able to run the ball and throw the ball. They really can only focus on one thing. So if a defense is able to shut them down, it, it could get ugly really fast. Um, one more thing just to point out. Uh, Army, who we should have lost to. Yeah. Losing record. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that's going back a ways, but I'm really happy with the way the team has developed, but 
I just don't think it's going to be good enough. I think Michigan is a good – they're one of the very good uh, – uh, they're one of a number of very good teams, but there's only a handful of elite teams out there, and they're well, not in that company. They're not even, I don't think, knocking on the door of elite. If they could knock off Ohio State, they could be getting close to that, but the season's already – I mean, they're not going to be able to prove it uh, after that. Well, that's my issue. It just seems like they're same old Michigan. You know, They're the best of the worst teams and the worst of the best teams. Agreed, but there's still the game left, so you got no terrifying. matter what happens. You got, uh, got some high hopes for that one, Trev? You know, it's hard to not have hope going into it, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to be realistic. We've seen the history. We see how good that team is, so it's going to be probably as hard as it can be, but I, I, I don't want to say it's doable, but it, <laughs> I think it is doable because it's at home and Michigan – in the past, about every other year, shows up for that game. And so we'll see. It's not a Michigan take, but I say they get routed. Last year, I was having trouble not, like, kind of talking crap to my Ohio State roommate prior to the game because mm-hmm. I was so confident, like, man, for the first time, we are not the underdog in this game. For the first time in a long time, anyways. And then that happens. <laughs> and so now, going into this game with the resume that we have for this season... No, I have I have zero confidence. We'll see. I don't want to place any wagers on that one yet. Uh, the smart person would wager heavily against Michigan, but uh, it is a rivalry game. Yep, I understand game. that. There's a little bit of mystery there that you never know what could happen. Georgia went down this year to South Carolina. It's who, not hurting them. Well, it's not hurting them because they're mm-hmm. SEC brand. Uh, best conference offensively but, and defensively. But they've only lost one game, which they forgive one <laughs> Sorry, game. Yeah, they do forget one it. game. Yeah. As so, long as you lose early. Talking about the SEC is a good transition into the last segment of this, which I like to call Why Ohio State Sucks. Uh, Cody, I'll let you still end the podcast the same way with our our catchphrase. Well, I'm not sure I can, man. The voting <laughs> might have changed it. <laughs> yeah? You got some votes that uh, said otherwise? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, in this latest segment of Why Ohio State Sucks, this weekend Ohio State is playing Penn State, which is a really good top 10 matchup. Uh, Well, what's Penn State ranked now? Uh, I think they're still. I think they're nine. Nine or 10. Yeah, top 10 matchup. And you know what? When there's good games, College Game Day decides to go to those towns. Well, College Game Day said, you know what, Columbus, we're coming to town. And so many Ohio State fans said, nah, we don't want you. Or they, they're claiming they're going to boycott college game day. And you know why? It's because they're butthurt about how much Ohio State talks about LSU and how Ohio ESPN, State's not ranked. ESPN talks about LSU. What did I say? Ohio State. Oh, <laughs> Ohio State doesn't talk about LSU unless they're bitter that they're not number one. Uh, you know what? I probably believe that Ohio State should be number one, too. But as long as they keep winning, they're going to make the playoff and earn it anyways. It doesn't matter if you're one or two right now. So that's stupid on their part to get sore about that. That insults their pride, Trev. Yeah, who cares? Your team's playing great. Everyone knows it. And they're boycotting college game day. You know who's on college game day? Kirk Herbstreet. You know who loves Ohio State more than anybody? Kirk Herbstreet. They talk so much love about Ohio State. It's like, but Ohio State's not number one. And... ESPN and College Game Day talk really nicely about the SEC. And so they're that sore about it that they're going to boycott College Game Day. Okay, get over yourself. 
And that's my segment of why Ohio State sucks. Told you it'd be short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess that about wraps it up for what we have here. Um, you know, until we get a few more votes so that it's not quite as neck and neck, I, I'm obligated to stick to the old reliable. Just uh, thanks for tuning in with us, and just remember, Ohio sucks.